Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. Well, it's been another crazy week. Before I get into talking about my guests this week, I have some pretty amazing news. I wanted to let you all know that I am so beyond, beyond thrilled to um, have found out that I am receiving an award for um, outstanding community service and advocacy on behalf of people with special needs. It is called the Teresa Award. It is um, the 2021 Nela Teresa Award, and it is given out by the Teresa Foundation which you may not have ever heard of, but it is a foundation that was set up and named after a young woman, a young girl, Teresa Alessandra Russo, who um, passed away when she was small and, uh, like my daughter Elizabeth, was much loved. She was disabled and um, died much too young unfortunately, from her disabilities. And her dad, Vinnie Russo, was a mentor of mine, somebody who I met early on in my career and was someone who I have always admired and really early on hoped to follow in his footsteps. At any rate, I when I found out that I had been nominated for this award and looked at the list of recipients that had come before me, I cannot tell you how blown away I am. And the first thing I thought of was, no kidding, um, did they not have anybody else nominated this year? And I don't say that to be humble, but wow, the people who've received this award before me are just incredible, incredible disability attorneys and advocates. The things that they have accomplished are insane. And um, I'm just so honored to be on this list and to be in this group with them. Uh, I'm proud of myself, I'm so grateful to be considered uh, in in this in this group of people uh, deserving of this of this award and of this honor, and um, I'm so excited to to do this. So yesterday, I uh, I had to video because we're not doing. Um, these awards dinners in person this year. I videotaped my um, three-minute speech to accept the award, and it is being presented by video um, at the conference, which is all virtual this year in March, and I'm super excited, and I hope that it looks okay. Um, I'm going to miss seeing all of my friends at the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys Conference this year, 
Boy, I cannot wait till we can see each other in person again someday soon. Hopefully by next year, things will be back to what we consider normal. Although I have a feeling that the new normal is not going to look like the same that we've been used to. Anyhow, this is so exciting. I cannot tell you. I literally want to pee my pants over it. And... um. It's just something else to be honored in this way by my peers. I know that my clients and that our community always supports the work that I do, but to know that my peers and people that I've looked up to for a long, long time also think that I'm doing a great job and that what I do out in our community is valued and respected it just means so much it's um it's just so so meaningful I know I'm gushing a little bit but it it's it's just amazing so that's what happened to me this past week and uh it's fantastic Anyhow, one of those things that only your mom, you know, can be proud of and brag about. But here I am. So that's what happened, uh, despite some of the bad things like more snow and more cold weather. Hopefully the warm weather will be coming soon. So this month of love has been really good to me and our podcasts have been incredible We've been talking a lot about relationships and caring for one another, caring for ourselves, and really what does it mean to present that holistic approach to caring for for one another and caring for ourselves and then making sure that we are giving our children a positive image to look up to and that image being a good spousal relationship if we have one a good romantic relationship giving our children that good positive message of self-care and of living our joy and living our truth and taking care of ourselves We always say that we want our kids to be happy, but do we show them what adult happiness looks like? Do we show them what a good adult self-care routine looks like? We want to be doing that. And so all month we've been talking about this in our podcast and we've been talking about this in our Facebook group, Circle of Care, which I want to encourage you to join if you are so inclined. Look us up. Go to specialneedscompanies.com. Our Facebook group is exclusive. You must join to be part of it, but it is free. And we have it out there just for membership so that you can be part of the conversation. So if you're not on Facebook, there are other ways to be part of the conversation, other ways to join in and get information and to be part of the messaging But that is one of the ways that you can join us. So this week, I had the very distinct pleasure of interviewing a beautiful couple, 
Matthew and Carol Newell, who are founders of the Family Hope Center in Greater Philadelphia. And there they've assembled a dedicated team of doctors and therapists developed, um, who've developed a neurologically based uh, therapy program for thousands of families. And for, I think, something like four decades, Matthew and Carol have lectured and initiated child development programs which have helped families from more than 30 countries. Yes, you've heard me right, 30 countries. They are such an interesting and wonderful couple. Um, They have a great family. They have dealt with disability in their own children, in their own family. They've They've got a great book called Healing Your Child's Brain, A Proven Approach to Helping Your Child Thrive. And one of the really cool things about their book and about their approach is that it's not just about healing the child, but it's also about healing the family and creating an environment that is um, not just tailored to the child, but tailored uniquely to the child, but also to the family as well. So in talking about this love message and in talking about this, you know, idea of caring for one another and about how to thrive, we really need to talk about what it means to um, connect at all levels as a family. And they know firsthand, both as practitioners, but also as parents, what works, what doesn't, and how to equip equip parents with the knowledge and tools that they need. So um, I had a lot of fun chatting with them, and this was a great interview. I've just been knocking it out of the park with some pretty fantastic people this month, and I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. So again, happy month of love, people. And um, here we go. Okay, welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible. And we have another great episode this month in the month of love. It's February, and we've just passed Valentine's Day. And we have some really yucky weather out there. It has been a horrific weekend. It has been so cold and many people are without power. It has been cold all over the states in places where it's not supposed to be cold, like Texas and many other places that normally don't experience this, Louisiana, et cetera, et cetera. But today we are talking about hope and we are talking to Matthew and Carol Newell and they have developed the Family Hope Center. I'm so excited to have them here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. So your family story and your professional life, so interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? I want you to start, start. yeah. Well, we both met working with um, children with special needs and um, we we worked together and um, trained together initially. So that's how we met each other. And, um, you know, it was um, 
a, a, a relationship based on great admiration for each other, for the diligence and, and focus that we each had, um, and the passion that we each had for children and parents with um, special needs, um, you know, that really that was very important to us to be able to help and support those parents and see their children uh, develop. Uh, we met, we married, and uh, we had children, and our first child was, was healthy, did really well, and our second child and our third child both had different neurological difficulties that uh, we saw developing very early on, and we realized that it was a real blessing in many ways to be in the profession that we were in and have the knowledge that we had to be able to identify those things early on for our children that because um, our children were the, were the types of children that we would have been told if we'd gone to professionals outside of what we knew, just wait and see would have been what we'd have been told. And right, uh, right. that's not a good thing to do. And to be able to identify the neurology when your children are babies was a huge blessing um, to us. Um, one of our children was hurt in, you know, and we saw her being hurt. So we saw her neurologically child developing well and then we saw unraveling and we identified it really quickly so we also saw the pain the difficulties that come up and the pain that goes along with uh oh something has happened and we saw it happening and we saw uh, and we felt that sadness and we felt that sadness and heartbreak as we went along as we watched our children develop and uh, as a mother, I had to often adjust what my expectations and dreams were as a, as a parent and do things differently because there was a higher priority than something I would have liked to have done. Now I needed to do things to be sure that they, they developed well. Um, so it, it was a journey that we were very, very happy to partner with together. And um, <clears throat> we both were able to help and support each other along the way. And uh, so that's kind of where we came from and why we eventually also wanted to impart not just uh, certain elements of knowledge that we've gained in the, you know, in our first 20 years of our career, but uh, to be able to have a really family focused support and guidance for parents um, of children with special needs. Mm -hmm. And Matthew, tell me. Yeah, I think, I think when we first met each other, we, we were professionals, but we really didn't like each other because we were really different. <laughs> I'm kind of hyperactive and she's kind of formal and we were kind of like, uh. but you know, when you work long hours together and you're working on projects that are mutually, like that you really want to learn from, you begin to get that another level of why this person next to me is really so special. So kind of the top stuff kind of disappears and the gold comes out and, and yeah, we, we got married and, and Carl says the second one got hurt. She got hurt in one day. One day there was an accident and she got hurt and the world gets pretty dark, right? All the doors close and the windows shut and you're pretty dark and you're standing there thinking, now what do I do? I've got this existential experience that I hadn't planned right. on. How am I going to get through this gracefully? How am I going to make this not the kid's problem? How am I going to make solving the problem not the problem? How am I going to keep the problem the problem? Which is my child suffered a massive brain injury. She's hemiplegic. She's not talking. And what do I do with this beautiful soul? And how do I keep my family together? Right. And that's not something that you just, you know, pick up in 15 minutes. You got to kind of pay attention to healing as opposed to fixing. Yeah. And you got to try to work on healing the brain as opposed to managing the symptoms. And as counselor, we were, we were blessed enough to know a lot about the brain. We, we dug in 
And we were really careful not to make the child's problem her problem and really make sure our face was, was pleasant to her every day. But, you know, deep in, you know, we weren't sleeping very well because down the hallway, Muffin's not doing well. She's still not talking really at three. She's still struggling to read. And Carol's a reading teacher. She's brilliant at teaching parents how to get their kids to read and whatever neurological complication. But it took us a long while to heal her brain. But we were able to love each other through it. And, you know, Carol's got certain gifts and I have certain ones. Luckily, I didn't marry myself. You know, you never want to hire yourself in any business, right? Luckily, she's got gifts that I don't have and I have gifts that she doesn't have. And we're able to really look at each other and, and stick together. And as Christians, we were really focused on how can we love these kids in a proactive way, get up every day, bring our gifts to the table and, um, and, and uh, not be annoying to each other and just keep <laughs> the brain and working on loving the kids in a proactive way and um, making sure we got sleep, making we're really into fitness. You know, we, we realize that if we don't get up every day and we're not eating well, we're not sleeping well, and we're not taking the right types of food, we're not going to be all we can be for other kids and for our tasks. So there was really kind of a mission in paying attention to some really important details that health, exercise is really important to make us sharp. And also recognizing that you've been through a trauma. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we weren't, you know, for me, I didn't get through, you know, you get through, if love would have fixed your kid, they'd be done already. Uh -huh. Love needs an action plan. And we developed a plan that could heal the kids without making it their problem. And that we could measure every day. And you're right. We have to be able to be sane about this and hug each other and go, okay, we're, how, how does this week go? How can we both minister to the kids and make sure she gets to bed on time? Honey, what can I do for you? She's looking at what I can do for her. You know, and we're really looking to, to partner together and make mistakes and forgive each other and look, look, look what's next because we've got these kids and we really want to love on. The third one we adopted and she had an alcoholic yeah. brain. Or, or an addictive brain. An, an addictive brain. And, well, and also, in addition to that, within two weeks of us adopting her, she ran a fever for several days, a very high fever that we couldn't, like we couldn't, couldn't get Like 105, 106, 105. Wow. It was yeah. crazy. And, yeah. her, and her skull swelled up and so she was in the hospital for a week and that we don't know how much of that affected her obviously developmentally but it also gave us a real insight into what it feels like to be a parent we'd never been in the hospital with either of our children before barely even needed to go to the doctors and all of a sudden now we have this little baby who we just adopted and uh, and the and the trauma of being in the hospital um you know was really challenging but has helped us to be able to have someone helped yeah. us to bond to her but also helped us to have understanding of, of many of our parents who we work with they're in the hospital quite regularly some of them unfortunately mm. and that's a real tough thing and a lot of very traumatic for them yeah you oh know, and carol your training as a nurse must have come in so handy you know that yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm trained in early education, so it's actually, it's an English term, so it's a nursery nurse, so I didn't have so much of a medical background, so okay. I clarify, but uh, but I'd work with children and young children and in medical settings with them as well, so, you know, okay. but still, I'm not particularly comfortable in a hospital, you know, so it wasn't a, a, a comfortable place for me to be. Uh, and it's always different when it's your own kid anyway. Yes. It doesn't matter how trained you are. 
because when you take off that professional hat and you put on that parent hat, it's a completely different situation, personal. a completely different world. Personal. You pay attention a lot more when it's personal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what was amazing about the third one, the third one, the second one was sweet and nice. And it was, you know, we, whatever we asked her to do, we, she did. And the third oh, one. Oh, she tried with a frown yeah. on her face. Very intense, really trying. Like, we knew she I'm, just I'm wasn't confused, getting confused. it. The third one, before she could talk, she was crying a lot. She, mm. and while she was talking, she lied and cheated and stole. This kid, this kid forced me into thinking, am I a good father? I mean, am I doing this correctly? I thought, again, I'm not that bad, but this kid pushed every buttons that I had and pushed him regularly. And it made me grow up. It made me think, how can I be a more effective father? And how can Carol and I be more effective parents? And how can we love a child? And we, all, we knew that most of her pushback was neurological. That mm -hmm. what we were getting back was the neurology or her injury. Mm -hmm. and irritation in her brain and everything and we thought well okay um let's be careful you know um but um it's it's they're all three of them are doing great right now and we have this really wonderful relationship because we we mm -hmm. stayed together in the hunt yeah. and john and i were always making sure that we hugged each other in front of the kids told the kids we love them <clears throat> if we had a little bit of a fight we always ask the kids to forgive us in front of the kids so that they oh, that's nice. I mean daddy are still like upset at each other so well yeah. as you just told us you just told the audience you just told me love requires an action plan I love that that is those are words to live by love requires an action plan it yeah. doesn't just come you no. know that's fantastic yeah so tell us about the hope center how did that come about? Well, after 20 years of working uh, for another organization in clinical experiences, we decided that we would be willing to start our own organization and really focus more deeply on making sure that the family is being healed as opposed to focusing on the child. Because a lot of folks, you focus on the child, focus on, but you leave their other siblings, you know, in the dark. Yes. And they're suffering too. They're going through post-traumatic stress disorder that Jamie's doing this and Sally's doing that and what's happening with Billy over there. And we're, So we thought, you know, we need to create an organization. We need to bring about some professionals that we focus on the family. Because if you heal the child, the family heals. If you heal the mother and the father, the child heals and the other kids heal. So we really wanted to focus on, look, there's a brain thing, but there's a family thing. And there's a saying that one plow horse can pull four, four tons of stuff and two can pull up to 23 tons of stuff. And we found that if we could get the fathers involved and the mothers involved, even if the father's working 16 hours a day, and as long as he understands what's happening within the family unit, what's happening with the child, and we can bring things in, that the healing becomes exponential. And if the father is understanding what's happening with the child and, is, and the mother is working and they're all working together and pulling together in common purpose, you get a bigger, you get a bigger healing. Mm, and, oh, that is so true. And so we started and called it the Family Hope Center. Actually, it was the mother who called it the Family Hope Center. I was going to call it something like the, the Institute for Neurological Reorganization or something. Oh like my that. goodness. I know, I know, I know. It was really terrible. <laughs> terrible. I absolutely. Oh my God. Ridiculous, right? Yeah, it was terrible. And the mother <laughs> said to me, are you kidding me? 
my child was functionally blind, sat in the middle of the floor and rocked back and forth. He's five years old. He had no words. And within four and a half years, he's walking, he's talking, he's reading. And he's not perfect yet, but he's completely different. You gave me hope that my child had a life. You brought my other kids into it. You made it look like it wasn't you know, a trauma that we couldn't get through together and really right. with my dad, my husband, and you know what? I just call it the Family Hope Center. And I said, that's ridiculous. That's too, that's no. And Kyle said, I think we should do that. And so we call it the Family Hope Center. As it turns out, you know, hope is when you know you have a plan that's achievable and families can pull together and do things that are just like you, you say it's impossible. They do things that everybody said was impossible. They make it possible because love wins if you get everybody engaged and pulling in the same direction. So that's when we started. We're 20 mm -hmm. years. We started in 2002. We just finished our first book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which we did weekends after hours because we see kids from 34 different countries and six continents. And we, we're just... We're just trying to help families get, yep. no matter what the diagnosis, if it's in the brain, let's roll. Let's do this together as a team. And so we just finished this book and a couple of chapters are dedicated to how to parent together, how to pull together, how to feed yourself, how to take time for yourself, how to- not How to feed the relationship and the mm. love within mm -hmm. the family. Yeah, yeah, when the kids see you hug each other, when they see yes. you holding hands, when they see you eating together, when they see you working out, there's a whole lot of good dynamics, you know, flowing within the family and the trauma begins to decrease when the family mm -hmm. starts getting healthier. It doesn't necessarily mean that the, you know, that when you're looking at the family that you can balance everything time-wise. I think right. sometimes we as parents, you know, we would, we have to balance it for each of our children. And that doesn't happen when you have a child who has extra needs um, at any point. So when that's happening, you have to rebalance, but it means that we are there supporting the, the parents to say, are you balancing yourself? Are you taking into account the most important things that are going to help you to be mm -hmm. the best that you can be? Are you exercising? Are you getting your, how's your sleep going? Sleep's a huge one because many of the children that we see don't sleep well. And then how do we help? We, then we need to prioritize the sleep because the parents cannot be parents for their, their child who needs them the most and for the other children if they're not getting the sleep that they need. Right, and sleep is so. neurological, right? So some kids don't sleep because of a neurological issue in parts of their brain. So as we begin to heal that, then the children sleep better and the parents sleep better. So it's a gradual process of integrating sane, down-to-earth, neurological principles into the family unit. So the family can look at this and say, you know what, this might be... A marathon. If it's a sprint, we'd all we'd all go for it and be done in 18 months, right? But it's right. not. Some of these kids, it's going to take some while. So while we're healing them, could we get up every day and do some things that were proactive? They're going to move them towards a, a healing phase of his brain. Yes. Can we do that for ourselves? Yes. Could it, would it be a good idea to get some coaching? Probably, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have coaches for everything. It's a yeah. good idea to get some coaching from some folks that've been in the hunt. And um, we can give parents some ideas like, okay, if you do that, see, you're already, parents are already working hard. No one's not working hard. We're all working hard, but can we be more effective? Or can we be smarter with the, ten, with the 18 hours we're up? 
18. No, yeah, yeah, it should actually be. No, you mean 16. Yeah, it should be 16. 16. <laughs> but with the 18, most parents are getting six hours of sleep and thinking that that's amazing. But, you know, with the time that you have, are you putting in, you know, is it, pro, is it proactive or reactive time? Mm -hmm. Am I flying by the seat of my pants, putting out fires all day, or am I five minutes ahead of that fire? And, and just like you've got to make a plan for love, you have to make a plan for the rest as well. Mm -hmm. it's, so yeah, the book was great. And if people, how, how can people work with you with all, with how can people work with you? Because I saw that you were working with people from all over the world. And are people coming to you? Are you going to them? How is that? How is that working? You know, how are you doing that? Well, you know, pre pre pandemic time, um, we traveled a lot. We did travel a lot, and uh, people would come to us, or we would go to a country if there was a large enough group of people, and we teach a parent training class. And like in we, South Africa, yeah, we did that in South Africa. Yep, we've been to South Africa, we've been to England, we've been to Ireland, we've been to Australia, uh, China, uh, China Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah, so we've taught this conference throughout Mexico the world. And, yeah, all over the world. So mm -hmm. basically, the meat of what's in the book is what we would we teach in our in our parent training and we teach and then we help the parents to go through a whole process of learning to evaluate their children and then to be able to create a plan and we were there together with families and supporting them and then then many of those parents afterwards would bring their children to to us in the country we were visiting or bring them to the clinic uh, we're based in just outside of Philadelphia in on the east coast um, and back in at the beginning of last year, we decided we were going to film the, our course. We've already filmed it before and it was already being used in Latin America to reach our Spanish speaking uh, families with a team member we have there, but we decided to refilm it, upgrade it and film it so that it could be put online. That was our goal. So we would have it as an additional way of supporting parents so they could, so who couldn't get to us. It became, of course, because of the pandemic, the only way we're teaching parents right now. Right. So we have, got, we have gone from moving into this fairly gradually, what, what was our original plan to doing it pretty rapidly. So it's now a very active course. We have a lot of parents who've gone through it. We do Zoom support because we can't do the little coffee breaks that you do when you have a live. Yeah, every Wednesday so, night we have like a coffee break where we'll go through the entire parent training and answer a lot of questions. So it's a 22 hour course. Mm -hmm. Parents could take whatever pace they want. Used to be if you came with mother and father, you'd both have to pay, but now you pay one fee, you have it indefinitely. You can go back, you can review, you can pull notes, it tells you how to organize, the, how to understand the brain, how it grows, how to eat, how to take care of yourself and plans to implement in place, whether your child's blind, deaf and paralyzed or having seizures or whether the child is walking and running, but not yet talking, or the child is really, really smart, but totally disorganized and everybody would call him hyperactive or ADHD or a child is on the spectrum. What part of the brain is hurt? Let's look at this scientifically let's understand it, let's create a plan, let's do it together. So that's online now for mm -hmm. everyone. Yeah, so we support parents as they, as they go through that, but mm -hmm. then they have the option after they've gone through that to work at home and just continue to develop a plan that works for them or continue, they still can bring their children to us. We do see some children in person, not very many right now, not nearly right. as many as we were, of course, 
Um, but um, we see a lot of parents through Zoom and we're able to do evaluations and we actually get to see the children and evaluate them in their own homes, which, which, which has been quite a benefit. So it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the kids are running around with their pants on fire and they're not <laughs> much that they just got, and parents haven't gotten off a plane for nine hours. Yeah. You know, the kids running up and down the United Airlines flight, you know, driving everybody crazy. They get the <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah we, we just came back from Denmark. We saw a whole load of kids in Denmark. A lot of Scandinavian families come together. And De in Denmark, we were able to get into the country and do the COVID testing. So we just came back about two weeks ago from, from spending January in Denmark, seeing a whole bunch of kids and families. And um, it's a real delight for us to support families and you know, keep it about the brain, keep it about health. And as you said, loving on each other. And you know what I find out? If you show a father what's happening, he will engage with his family. If he doesn't understand what's happening with this child's brain, he'll tend to drift off. And he'll tend to get lost somewhere in the 25,000 drives that the kid has to go from this person, this person, this person, this person. So we, we like to consolidate the therapeutic protocols in the home. Mm. And as the ch children get well, they go back to school. They re-enter school if they want. We have a lot of homeschool mothers and fathers on the program helping their kids, but families can choose whatever aspect of the therapy. Yeah, we have we, a lot of parents, yeah, a lot of parents mm -hmm. whose children are in school and or doing half and half. And of course, right now, so many parents are home with their children. Yes. Uh, and, and that has changed the way a little bit somewhat depending on the family that we're working with it has changed some of our family's dynamics because we have families who their focus was their child with special needs working with them at home and now the siblings are home right and how do they prioritize so we've had to help them to prioritize and that's part of what we do is say let's prioritize here you know you yeah, okay you just said to me you had a 13 hour day because you're trying to navigate one child online school and the other child with the special needs who you've been working with you can't do all of that now let's Let's prioritize. Let's, let's help you manage it without falling yeah. apart. And mm -hmm. so you can still be like awesome, yeah. you know, and come well, downstairs and then have to have six cups of coffee before you say hello to everybody. I have a, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. I've been hearing a lot about families, parents who are now home and they're doing these Zoom school with everybody. So they're seeing their children's education in a way that they've never been exposed to before. Mm -hmm. And because they're they're being teacher now and so they're getting this new insight into their children's learning experiences and into their children's brains in a way your capability never seen before i wanted to know if you are having a different conversation with families this past year because of zoom school all over the world are you are you seeing are you having different conversations with families? Are you having different, is it interesting for you? Is it different? Have, have, has that been? I think there's been definitely differences. It depends on our family. So families, as Matthew said, we do have a lot of families who are homeschooling already. Okay. Their life hasn't changed very much. They were already homeschooling that maybe their child with special needs plus other children. Parents who had, uh, had children who were going to school, then it's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, some of the dynamics have changed in that we have maybe the 
the mother was home with the child, working with the child, and now dad's at home working from home. And those, those challenges have been difficult because dad, you know, the child wants to be with dad all the time and mom's trying to get them to do, to do schoolwork or to do their, their, their program. Um, it's been different for each family. I think um, the, the being in one place at one time, if you've got a small apartment, and that's definitely difficult for, for mm -hmm. our parents and supporting yes. them through that. So it has very much varied depending on, on the family, on the family situation. Some of our families say, well, lockdown, what's lockdown? We're always with, we have a child with special needs. We're always We're in always lockdown, yes. We're always lockdown. There's limitations to what you can do when you have a child who needs you to be home all the time. So um, it has it has varied, but I do think that um, definitely we're seeing parents who are seeing their children, um, you know, struggle, that they didn't realize their children were struggling and seeing their focus and attention. That's a conversation that, uh, you know, we're having that conversation maybe with some of the families we already know, but they're seeing, uh oh, I didn't think that sibling had the pro had some problems, but I've got, I've got my, my child's got brothers and sisters that have focus issues. That's a problem. Yeah, and because they knew, because we've been teaching about the brain, they, they, they knew where to jump off. So instead of like getting upset with the child, you have the child and you have the child's brain. You have to be careful where you're putting right. your attention. You know, am I gonna, how am I gonna handle this? So we had, all, all, we had weekly Zoom calls with all of our families from around the world at mm -hmm. different times so we could capture the time zones and just coaching them through how do you get that extra level of routine in that yes. extra level of organization you need to tighten up the screws a little bit because the kids will win if you win if you're winning your kids win mm -hmm. they can't move unless you do so when you're healing your child or you're working with your child if you don't change yourself your child can't shift so it's really how do you get a parent to change in a way which keeps them happy and healthy in increments that are successful so that the kids can then join them in that space. So it's been, um, it's, it, you know, hey, it's when you see things happening, you know they were under the surface anyway. Right. It's good that we're talking about it and having some awkward conversations and figuring out, hey, how can we do yeah. this together? You know, everyone's terrific. How can we ratchet up our level of organization so our kids can win? And meanwhile, we win in the long run, right? How so, are you working with people on fatigue, uh, on COVID fatigue and, you know, all of the um, fatigue around um, the disasters and all mm -hmm. of the uh, angst and the anxiety and all of the terrible things that are mm. happening in the world because this is all impacting people's neurology, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how are you working with families and parents around all of that in addition to the other things that you're doing? I think one of the things we always, when anytime we're seeing a family, we're asking them, it's one of the first things we ask them, how are you doing? How is, is COVID affecting you in any way or the changes that are going on, how is it affecting you? So we address it. And you know, if it doesn't, if it's not an issue, then no, not. But if it is an issue, we definitely are addressing it and then talking it through and considering that in the plan, not just making a plan for the child, making a plan for the whole family, making a plan that's a little different now, helping them with routines. 
Um, the other thing is Matthew mentioned, we've done Zoom calls and we started that out right away. As soon as, as, soon as lockdown came, we said, okay, we've got to reach out to our families mm-hmm. and we've got to tell them we're here. We're going to be available. We're going to set up a way to do Zoom calls and, and join, mm-hmm. bring the community together. And one of our team members who uh, works side by side with us and really works on the, you know, the mental health and, and supporting par- parents and the social side of things with the, with the family and with the child has been running mo- these calls every week for us. And in fact, it's got down, to, we're now doing two a week, uh, one in a time zone, which, which um, helps our South Africans and our Europeans and one in time zone that's uh, for us. And she has found um, uh, that, and we've, we've been, Matthew and I join once a month uh, for the calls, but what she's found, which is interesting is that she has, she's kind of monitoring the group, but really letting the parents talk to each other and get to know each other and support each other. Oh, yes. Because so that's so important. Beautiful conversations where we've seen someone in Scandinavia talking to someone in Italy, talking to someone in the US and someone in South, South Africa. And they, they all, and we know that those parents have very different children. Right. But they're still supporting each other. Because they're all going through it in a different way, but they can speak to each other's pain and each other's difficulties. And uh, and just being facilitators for that has been something that we've learned a lot mm-hmm. uh, through sure. that. Yeah, yeah. Sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and I know you've done a lot of podcasts on this. And when I look through your library of all the podcasts you've done, so awesome that you're doing that. Yes, yeah. Well, well I, I, I want to know- acknowledge what- that it's, it's stressed and the stress yes. is physical and it's not psychological. Right. Like you, you know, and I don't actually think brain injured kids have psychological problems. I think they have real ones. Like, yeah, yeah. You, in fact, I can't read. You know what? I am paralyzed. I can't get out of this chair. This is annoying. Yes. You know, and I think parents don't really have psychological problems as, it, as though they have real ones. And we acknowledge, hey, this COVID thing, it's real. Yeah. The stress is real. It does, as you said, it does affect your brain. It does affect your neurology. All things true, true, true. You're not crazy. But here's ways that you can affect your neurology in a positive way so that you could look at this intense time and get through it without crashing and burning. You know, hey, gluten, you know, that's a biggie. Sugar is a biggie. Sleep is a biggie. Alcohol is a biggie. Mm -hmm. Can we look at how much we're consuming, how much exercise we're getting in the house or around the house routines so we can mitigate the natural stress that is playing upon your brain and, and realizing these are real things Yeah, that you don't have to feel sad. You don't have to feel like you're, you're a bad person, that you're somehow weak. No, this is real stress. And so that helps mm-hmm. families because mm-hmm. we have like concrete ways to get through it without getting too psychological about it. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Karen and I pray a lot. I mean, we talk, I mean, we do that, but we also eat, try to eat really well. We also have our routines. We also exercise. So we have some strategies that are neurological in the midst of this crazy moment, right? That's why the book is so good <laughs> because it, it is very concrete, easy to digest and just flows from one thing to the next. So what I want to know is what, so it's it's February and what is your plan for this year and and next year for your families you know you were the first to pivot you did great you adapted very quickly for your families and your you know your constituency 
what's the plan for this year and next year? And what's, what's your next thing that you're doing for families? Well, interesting. You said that we have, <laughs> we have been, um, we, we started the parent training course online. We have an interactive training course, which is a two day for teachers. And we're actually in Columbia now developing with uh, the Columbians, a school system way to homeschool and to, to school the kids in a way that will be neurologically based as opposed to just activity based. And um, we're launching that this year. Um, nice. The government has already signed off on it. We're also creating an app for a phone so that you can actually get the program on your phone and you could take the course and it downloads to you a library of videos and information so you can keep track of how you're doing with your health, your child's health, your sleeping, the activities you're doing, the neurological change that's happening. So we're developing this with the company. Um, it's quite intense to develop an app for a phone that says, watch this and where you where you tag the brain you're going to get information on what to do in a proactive way and here's wow. some videotapes that shows you how to do it and now here's your way to assess whether that's actually working because you need to assess the neurology of your child every three months or so otherwise you don't have the foggiest idea whether you're heading in the right direction at one yeah. mile an hour or you're heading east in the wrong direction you know so we're developing this and that should be out in May. Wow. We're ventilating a little bit um, because we're putting together this massive school program for the Colombians uh, government. And we're also developing this app. Um, and we're also expanding our ability to um, see families from around the world because we want families in India or Ca Canada or Mexico or California or Texas. You oh. come to the Family Hope Center. You know what? Watch this videotape. Mm. it'll give you a ton of information and you can go online, you can get support. You can have phone calls every week. That's part of the package. Come on, let's talk about your kids. Let's help you help them. Let's work together. Go I understand. Let's just get in together. Come on. You don't. It's community. I mean, we, we are trying to build community here as well. It is, that's where it's at, you know, building that community and mm. making things accessible to people in whatever way you can make it accessible, make it affordable, make it, you know, uh, achievable, attainable. You just want it to be there wherever people are so that they can get it. And, and it, it's meaningful to them. It has to change the child. You, you can, yeah, you have to, exactly right. And it turns out life is a team sport. Incredible. And, you know, yeah. it's great. And, yeah. Great stuff, you guys. You're doing it. It's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. So we are, we've just got like two or three more minutes. And I don't want to leave this podcast without really letting our families know. Let's boil this down to, you know, some real digestible advice. What's really like the two or three things that you really want to leave parents with? Cause I know we're really talking to parents now. What are those two or three pieces of information, key pieces of information that we really want parents to have in jumping off this podcast today? Let's digest this down for them. 
I would say, and Carol, just, you know, mm -hmm. I would say that the diagnosis doesn't determine your destiny. Love yeah. that. Yes. I would say that um, the brain grows by use. Mm -hmm. I would say that um, love needs an action plan that oh, you can measure. Yeah. I would say that the family is the central core for all healing and that you can be for the child to heal, for anyone to heal, they have to trust the healer. Okay. And when you're within a family, the healing is by definition trusted. So you can invite as many people to the table as you want, but you need to stay ahead of the table. Mm -hmm. And that um, stay fit. Your fitness is the most important thing in your family, spiritually, emotional, Mm -hmm. You're in a marathon. Physical, your fitness matters, and you mm -hmm. and work hard not to feel guilty about being fit because your fitness matters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you need to model that for your children. Absolutely. You to totally. model happiness and good living. You're going to model something to your kids 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're definitely modeling something. Yeah. But modeling fitness and good health and and um, constraint and exercise and prayer and, you know, hugging each other and laughing and having a sense of humor and, you know, not making the kids brain injury the problem. Right. I used to come home, um, you know, we, we when uh, our children were younger, Matthew would stay home one day a week and I'd work one day a week. And uh, I'd come home and I'd say, OK, how did you do how and I and all I'm thinking of is the list of oh, things that I'd left him to do. And my daughter would turn to me and say, we had lots of hugs and kisses and daddy tickled me today. And I'd be like, okay, that wasn't on the list, but you know what, that, you know, it took me a little while because I'm a list person to say, no, this is the most important. I would only thing. get 80% of the list done. So I'd feel a little bit guilty, but oh I'd be climbing all over and kissing the kid on the neck and making sure yeah. that um, she saw my twinkle. Yeah. yeah, she saw in my eyes that I believed in her, even though things were like really, really tough at times. You just do not want to show your kids that look. That is amazing. Yeah. I love that. And Carol, I get it. I know lists are important, especially mm -hmm. when they just never seem to get finished. Right. And 12 more things always get added to them. And it's overwhelming, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but there is a time when you do have to just say, screw it. Yeah. The laundry. Take a knee. We can buy new underwear. Like, <laughs> you know, who cares? And if the kids eat out of McDonald's containers, whatever, like we, the love is more important. And mm -hmm. at some point the house will get cleaned someday. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I mean, we do have to just, decide that prioritizing togetherness and and uh, being a loving family and it, it takes a while to get to that though and I have been coming to this it's taken me a long time but and I think it's because our parents didn't do that for us they didn't model what it was like to give up on that list but of course we weren't disabled children either like so they maybe had an easier time of managing things but 
you know, I don't think that my mother was ever particularly happy. And I've been talking about that a lot this month and modeling what it was like to be a happy adult woman. My mother never seemed happy. She was always drudgery and, you know, just ugh, such a chore to take care of her children and the family. And when she mm. went back to work and got a job, it was always weighing on her. And, you know, that's all I ever saw was this unhappiness mm -hmm. all the time. Nothing was ever pleasant, you know, that in fact, when there were these snippets of happy moments, it was like, oh, we were so excited to see her laugh or smile. Mm -hmm. Like we remember mm -hmm. those brief fleeting moments forever. Remember that time mom laughed at that joke because it didn't happen very often, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. You don't want that. You don't want that to be the exception. Mm -hmm. You know, you do, you want that to be the life for your kids. So anyway. Well, you know, and that you're right. The kids are looking at you every day yeah. and looking at you saying, how am I doing so far? They look at you all day long and looking at how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? You know, and you know, they're asking you with their eyes. Are we okay here? Are we, right. are we good? Are we good? And we and don't want them to, to be the, to be responsible for our unhappiness. Oh, that's right. So you gotta that they're, you have to work on. You gotta go like. That. So Matthew, you were saying that earlier. Like their brain injury is the problem. Like you don't want that to be the issue in the family. Like oh, you know, because of this, we're all sad. Because of this, we're all working ten times harder. Because of this, we're all not sleeping. It has to be, that has to be something that is not dragging us all down. It can't be, our children can't feel responsible for us being sick or tired or this or that. You know, we have to have a good life and they have to see us all having a good life. Yeah, and you have to pay attention to that. You're right in that you have to have your eyes wide open and realize that you have the hurt child but then you have three siblings that are watching her child and they're hurting too because the her child's hurt. So everybody says at, at the family home center, we're really conscious of social impact and the, and the parenting and the trauma. And we're trying to help parents to move out of that trauma in a way that is sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Matthew, Carol, I love what you're doing. I love that you were able to come and share this with our audience today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day and I hope yeah. you have a great month. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> and um, I have, um, for the audience, I have posted all of your contact information in our show notes. Thank and um, I'm looking forward to seeing this app and everything that you have planned for all of us. So thank you so much for continuing to support our families. It has been a great pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having thank us. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.